Spring! Welcome to iPodius, a 12-episode podcast for Maximum Fun, in which I, John, of the Judge John Hodgman podcast, watch I, Claudius, the famous 1976 BBC miniseries about ancient Rome, for maybe the fifth or now sixth time, and... I, Elliot, of the Flophouse podcast, watch it for the very first time, and then we talk about it. Uh, John, through the jaded eyes of a Claudius experienced person, and me, through the dewy eyes of a Claudius newbie. On this episode, we will hear from super producer Jordan Cowling and a very special guest, the delightful Patricia Quinn. You may know her from her role as Magenta in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, or as the love interest of a certain ambitious confidant temper Tiberius. That's right, LaVilla herself, Patricia Quinn. So let's stop with my stammering and get on with it, shall we? His full name is Elliot Kalin. Yes, and, and you're John Hodgman. Yeah, no, but I... Anyway, it, <laughs> my full name is in the name of my podcast. People oh, say, true. I, Elliot of the Flophouse <laughs> podcast. Only uh, true floppies are going to know who you're referring to. It's yeah, Elliot Kalen, everybody. From Elliot Kalen of the of Flophouse Podcast. Another the famous Flophouse Podcast. Assorted things. Uh, tune in every whenever you want. It's a podcast on the Flophouse. Well, <laughs> I've been Elliot Kalen. Good night, everybody. All right, good episode. <laughs> well, since we're since we're plugging, we're you know, look, we have been recording these since late September, on and off, to mm-hmm. adjust to our very busy schedules. Well, you were out. You were out promoting your most recent book. Uh, Medallion status, as because like Claudius himself, you are an author desperately hoping someone will read his history of the Carthaginians. I, I'm so glad you picked up on this for this episode because I had in my <laughs> I had in my notes that from Claudius's point of view, this whole episode is about his book launch. <laughs> <laughs> and indeed, and indeed, as we find out, his book does get published and it gets into the hands of the emperor himself. But that's. <laughs> See, only, That's look, another say, story for later. You only need you. You don't need every reader. You just need the right reader. Yeah, In exactly. This case, so. Tiberius, right? <laughs> Someone willing to and, and your book, I assume, like Claudius is, and of course we'll talk this in the episode. You also had an argument with the publisher about the elephants used in yeah. illustrations. Yeah, elephant in the room. <laughs> my publisher also wanted to put pictures of elephants all over the pages of my book, and I said no. <laughs> the time for fanciful charts and tables is over in my career. That mm-hmm. was that was my old books. The areas of my expertise, more information than you require. Or that is all. All now still available in paperback. Areas of my expertise just back into print. Thanks very much, everybody. <laughs> but medallion status, like Vacation Land, is a no-frills, first-person memoir about the time that I spent in the royal family in Rome. No. About my, <laughs> about my uh, misadventures going back and forth across the country trying to still be on television and failing. Um, so thank you for mentioning that, Elliot. If you want to check it out, go to bit.ly slash medallion status, all one word, all capital letters. And as my colleague and friend Elliot Kalen mentioned, he is a tri host of the great Flophouse podcast, uh, which is available every week from maximumfun.org, just like this podcast. Why don't you call it the famous Flophouse podcast? That would probably get some attention, wouldn't it? Oh, maybe we should. I mean, we could change the name. And when we're coming up on 300 episodes, we might as well bring some changes about if this yeah. was a comic book we would restart it at number one introduce new hosts who are younger and more ethnically diverse and then 12 issues later remove those hosts and bring back the old ones because the fans don't like change 
wow, you got you got a little bit uh, PC culture is ruining everything there for a moment. <laughs> no, not me. That's that's what happens in comics all the time. They bring in the new characters, and then the fans are like, what happened to this character I've been reading since 1960? And they're like, oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Well, speaking of PC culture, if you haven't watched this episode already, uh, you, you should know that it deals in some uh, sensitive adult themes. Yes. Including the beating of one person by another, uh, the flogging of one person by another, I should say, as well as sexual assault. So be warned that we may discuss it in this podcast. As with the television show I, Claudius itself, which traumatized many a 13-year-old who wandered into their parents' living room uh, while it was originally being aired in 1976 to see strange stuff going on and often some naked people. Uh, this podcast also deals in frank adult themes, uh, mostly about preoccupation with death and irrelevancy, which is very much on the minds of our characters <laughs> as we enter into I, Claudius, episode VII, that is seven, Reign of Terror, Wikipedia numbering. Thank you. If you're going by the original British release order, this would be episode eight, but why would you be doing that? We're not doing, it's not 1976 anymore. Come on, everybody. No, we use the Wikipedia numbering. Yeah. So, Elliot, when we last left the Empire at the end of episode VI, Queen of Heaven, the corrupt Sejanus, uh, leader of the Imperial Guard, a.k.a. Patrick Stewart with hair, mm-hmm. had consolidated his power as the right hand to the Emperor Tiberius. Yes. And with his lover, Lavilla, Sejanus poisoned Lavilla's husband, Castor, while clutching her boob. Mm-hmm. Again, this is not a podcast for kids. There was <laughs> boob, boob clutching. The minute Patrick Stewart and John Hurt enter the show, this becomes I boob clutches. And it's just, there's just constant bosom grabbing. There uh, is a, yeah, there's a lot of creepy groping. Yeah. Uh, for both of these characters. Now, Castor. Not that was... wholesome Joe Biden groping that we've come to expect. It's just the shoulders and sometimes the hair. Oh, uh, I wonder where Joe, by the time this is revealed, I wonder what will be going on with Joe Biden. <laughs> I don't know. If, if only there were a sibline uh, prophet to let us know, but instead, the future is vague to us. So yeah. let's go back to the past. As Castor was the only son of the Emperor Tiberius, uh, AKA Emperor Perv. Because all he's doing is looking at weird porno that Caligula is bringing him from the from the outskirts of the empire. Yeah, that leaves only Nero and Drusus. Who are they? It doesn't matter. You never, <laughs> you don't see one of them. The other one is basically thrown into a cell by Sala from Raiders of the Lost Ark to starve to death. They're the nephews of our hero I Claudius, and they're the most likely ones to inherit the throne from Tiberius. Except, of course, little Caligula who is played by, as we mentioned, creepy and pale John Hurt. As we enter this episode, the year is now Common Era 3031. Mm-hmm. Caligula is supposed to be 19. John Hurt is 35, <laughs> but, but looks every day of 50. <laughs> so, and, and John Hurt, I mean, we'll talk about this many throughout the next few episodes, I assume, as, as John Hurt continues to be in the show for a little bit. But, like, John Hurt's performance is amazing for how unworldly and strange and just the minute he walks on screen in the last episode it's the last episode the first one we see oh no he's in the one before that i think john hurt premieres as caligula in in, in queen, queen of, of heaven. heaven okay yeah, that's right. the, yeah, the minute he walks on screen you were like what who is this and yeah. he just his performance is so it is a i'm gonna call it and this sounds like an insult but it is not i'm gonna call it a cajun performance in that he is so playing this character to the extent of the character without fear of, uh, of of feeling like he has to pull back in any way. And just everything from the way he looks to the way he walks to the way he his voice sounds different from everybody else's. He's just 
It's yeah. a, it's an amazing characterization. It's so it's so out of the ordinary, you know. Hello, where have you been? Staying at the house in Antium. I took some friends down there. Had a wonderful time. I mean, I have to imagine that they put makeup on him not only because they put about 300 pounds of makeup on everyone in this <laughs> well that's at the time you understand the in, in the, at the british broadcasting system the makeup union was very powerful and <laughs> right. so every show no matter how much makeup was really needed they needed to put a lot of makeup on there just to keep the people employed but i think that they i think that the makeup that they put on john hurt was actually effective and much lighter i think they just like blew some talcum powder at his face <laughs> Because he's so pale and ghostly and ethereal, mm -hmm. and as you put it, unworldly. Like, just the way he kind of blinks his dark eyes at the most intense revelations. For example, that his older brother has been banished, and his second older brother is, is being starved to death in prison. And he's like, oh dear, what a shame, <laughs> he says. And, you know, it is the hint of the dementia that will overtake Caligula later, that he obviously perceives reality and inhabits a different world than all the other characters do. But we'll get to him later. We'll get to him. Right now, we're going to skip the dumb, dull framing device of old Claudius <laughs> sitting in his office working on his book again. Cause he that's... does spill his wine. That's the exciting thing that happens while he's doing that. Yeah, doesn't pour his wine very well. He does, drink, <laughs> drinks his wine out of a, out of a mug. <laughs> he, does the thing, he does the thing where he pours too much, and instead of picking it up with his hands, he has to lean down and kind of slurp the extra yeah. out so that yeah. it won't slosh when he picks it up, which is it's just a funny moment for, again, an old man. They, it's like they, had, they were daring... Uh, Derek Jacoby to have to eat or drink as much as possible through his gross makeup in every episode. <laughs> to be fair, Derek Jacoby does make a meal out of this bit of physical comedy. Yeah, but it's once it's it's now gilding the dead lily <laughs> of this framing device of like let's think back to this time when I was younger. So and also I said we weren't going to talk about it. So why are we talking about it, Elliot? You're right. Let's move ahead. Let's go back to the, let's go back further to the past. Go, go back from the past where he's writing to the past where he's still relatively young. Right. So it now it now we're talking about CE Common Era 3031. 30 or 31 according mm -hmm. to Wikipedia. We're Everyone in, in Jerusalem's doing 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 the the Jesus hop and uh people just cannot get enough of being Roman. So that's that era. <laughs> All right, I didn't. I didn't realize that that was the. Is that the greatest generation of Rome? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, it's the uh, the beginning of the worst generations, I guess. Yeah, things are about to go truly south for Rome, and no one knows this more than Antonia, who is Claudius's mother, played by Margaret Tizak. We'll talk about her in a minute. We've seen her a lot in the show. Mm -hmm. And but she she's used... always been kind of like a like a backgroundy type character for the most part. Right. She was a sounding board for Julia, uh, Augustus's uh, daughter, who was a bit of a libertine and a rake, and just had a lot of fun and sex all the time. Mm -hmm. And and Antonia was kind of like the sullen prude who was always offended by Julia's frankness and candor. And she's normally kind of played for laughs, like, "Oh, how could you?" But here she's starting to get really, really mad. I understand this that though my daughter has lived in my house since the death of her husband, we are not on friendly terms. I despise her, though she is my daughter, and I'll ask no favor of her. I despise that man I know to be her lover, and you too I despise, for having married him, knowing what he was. And now you complain because he treats you as you were once content to see him treat others. You disgust me, all of you. 
Apicata, who is Sejanus's ex-wife, has come to Antonia to beg to see her own children because Sejanus is hoarding them to himself, even though he's living with Lavilla, Claudius's sister. He won't let his wife Apicata see see the children anymore. And she just says, all I want to do is see my children. Antonius says to her, mm, no. You people... <laughs> You disgust me. I won't help you. You people have made a sewer of Rome. Antonia, she is the daughter of Mark Antony, right? Yes. So she's very much still like this. She's one of the last living links with what the Romans would consider kind of like this more honorable era in their history. You know, right. and uh, and this is and just a quick note, like we'll see how quick. I'm not sure it's going to be quick. We'll see. It's probably not going to be that quick. It's yeah. me talking uh, so in Rome. The father did kind of like own the children. So Sejanus legally can do this. He can just say, "Hey, you, you, your mother can't see you anymore. I am the I'm the head of the family, and I make all the decisions in the household." All right, Elliot Kalen start started out as an anti PC culture zealot in this podcast, and now has become a men's rights advocate. Apparently, <laughs> no, not at all. No, I am. The, it's, well, technically, technically, actually, John, this was uh, perfectly legal and fine. It's perhaps inappropriate, but not illegal. Sejanus, continue. I don't. I don't think it was anyone's argument. That Sejanus didn't have the right to be a total asshole in a patriarchal society. No, but it's just another example of uh, the society that we're watching is an inherently unequal and unfair one. And right. that for all of the—it's it's another one of these moments where it's like these. There's there are times when the show kind of wants you to believe that Rome is this once great power that has fallen or it still has some kind of glory. But it is—this is a—this is a—every now and then you get these glimpses of the civilization that ran on— intense misogyny and slavery and which has distorted these people into corrupt and decadent forms probably due to the very nature of its civilization so suck on that rome you know we we are entering into a period as we see in this episode of a a government that has essentially failed to corruption Mm -hmm. um which is i guess this is the last time in history that happened (laughs) <laughs> Never again. Actually, ne- there, there's a line in the next episode because I watched a little ahead where I was like, "Did they write that this year?" Hold on a second. <laughs> there's there's quite a there's quite a bit that echoes rather uh, loudly with uh, events of this very day, Common mm-hmm. Era 2019, when we're recording this. But Antonia is particularly keen, and she is particularly uh, you know I've often said on the Judge John Hodgman podcast that nostalgia is the most toxic impulse because it presumes that the past was better when it usually wasn't and it also presumes that we can actually go back to it which is impossible because time moves in one direction but she definitely is a Murga person make Rome great again (laughs) yeah because she believes that there were Roman principles once and they've now been they've now been sullied and uh corrupted and she's essentially in this episode after being sort of a prude and a dupe for a long time becomes this show's Rorschach from Watchmen. God doesn't make the world this way. We do. A principled, no compromise vigilante. Yeah. And once Claudius has spilled the tea that Lavilla, Antonia's daughter, Claudius's sister, killed her own husband, Antonia puts on her mask and trench coat and heads out to Rome <laughs> to prove the crime. Uh, the uh, Janus's wife is like, Lavilla poisoned her husband. And she's like, what? And then Claudius is like, yeah, yeah, you didn't know that? Everybody knows that. She's like, why didn't you tell me? It's a story, mother. This is a kind of a funny moment. Claudius is like, yeah, 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 the poisoning her husband. Yeah, we all know about that. Yeah, we all knew about that. Of course. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the moment when you reveal to your to your aged mother that uh that your that her brother was gay, and she's yeah. like, what? Yeah. How, how is that possible? He dated that girl online for a while. <laughs> no, no, come on, mom. We all knew that. We I I saw letters from someone in Canada. 
Cut to Lavilla's room. Lavilla. Ooh, mean yeah. Lavilla. Stop blubbering, child. Do you think the affairs of state must take account of your marriage plans? Once again, played by Patricia Quinn with meanness. She's sitting just sitting <laughs> there. I would say intensity. There. I would call it intensity. <laughs> she, she does meanness good. She's just sitting there getting her hairs done. While her daughter, Helen, is crying. Her daughter's like, how old would Helen be in this case? Fifteen, uh, would you guess? Uh, yes, probably about that. Yeah, or less. But anyway, Helen is sad because though she is a, a young person, she she had been betrothed to Nero, one of the presumed heirs to the throne. And so she can't marry him anymore. And she's really sad. And Lavilla says, you'll find someone else to marry uh, with uh, more than a soupçon of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, a grappling gun comes through the window. It's Antonia. <laughs> Antonia yep. yells. They, and, they, beg her to, they beg her to be saved, and she, sa- she says no. That's right. <laughs> I'm not talking of whose bed you climb in and out of, how and to whom you dispose of your body is your own affair, but marriage is different. So Antonia yells at Lavilla, her daughter, for a while and explains that Sejanus is just trying to use her to move his way closer to the throne. But Lavilla says, I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him. And Antonia says... Quis custodiat ipsos custodes and leaves by the window. Margaret Tizak, Elliot Kalen. She's yes. good in this role, right? Yeah, she is. She's really good. I looked her up. She's She's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. that's So many of these, the actors in this show, you just like don't have a sense of their career until you start researching them. Then you're like, oh yeah, I saw them in this. I saw them in this. I saw them in this. And that's right. the life of a British actor, as, as we've talked about, I think. It's like, you just, you're just working, 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 and you do this and you do that, and some of it lasts and some of it doesn't, and there's something really refreshing about that. She's gone full, full vigilante detective mode, and we'll see more of her in this mode later on. But right now, cut <laughs> She's to- just hanging out in Claudius's house, eating beans out of a can with her mask just rolled up halfway up her face. <laughs> That's exactly oh, I would love. You know what? If we if we had fans, I would ask them to do some fan art of that. But by now it's too late. The podcast's already out. We can't, uh. there's no reason there's no reason to do it. But if you want to do a uh, if you want to do a drawing of uh, Antonia as Rorschach eating beans out of a can in an ancient Roman cardboard chamber, I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no. Neither yeah. would Elliot. I don't think. No, I would never deny that. Cut to Capri. Where Tiberius lounges and pervs while Sejanus is back in Rome running things. But here is Sejanus now in Capri. I must tell you, I cannot allow you to marry Lavilla. I've read your letter very carefully and given it a great deal of thought. But I'm afraid in the end the answer must be no. May I know the reasons? You're entitled to know them. Such a marriage would compel me to raise you to the most exalted rank. You know I've never looked for that. Oh, I know that. But I would have no choice. Tiberius says, no, you can't marry Lavilla. But Tiberius still likes Patrick Stewart with hair. And Tiberius still loves being a perv. So he says, <laughs> why don't you marry Lavilla's child, Helen? That would be appropriately fucked up for ancient Rome, as well as mid-70s BBC. And Patrick Stewart with hair, ever a pragmatist, says, I'll think it over. Now, I want to I want to make one thing. There was a... Uh... I was looking up Helen, and I thought I'd made a mistake, but I wasn't sure. Anyway, so the Helen in real life, she was older at this point, and a lot of this stuff is Robert Graves' conjecture. Basically, uh-huh. the whole Helen's plot is less kind of historically grounded than some of the other things, and I think he lowered her age to make it particularly—or uh, the TV show, at least, lowered her age to make it particularly uh, terrible. 
but uh, yeah. that's, there's, so that's this is one of the less historically grounded things. Helen was older than a child at this point, and she, she did not go through the, uh, the ter- terrible events of this episode. In reality, she lived for a while and was eventually executed for a different reason. Oh, good. There's always, there's always a chance to get executed in ancient Rome. Oh, yeah. Everyone dies poorly in ancient Rome. Hey, speaking of gross, Elliot, what did you think about not only Tiberius's old age makeup in this episode, but also the, the weeping open head wound that he's walking around with all the time? This weird scabby patch on his bald head. It was gross, right? Yeah, it's like they're really... I, I wonder if there's some sort of like non-portrait of Dorian Gray... At, uh, attempt to show that his body is being corrupted under his his decadence, but it is really it does seem like this guy who again is all about the pleasures of the flesh doesn't seem to realize that he's basically a head wound Harry from uh, from right. Saturday Night Live, right. and uh, it's it's a really it's a really disgusting piece of makeup, and you're like. So the day send him to Capri so that no one in Rome would have to look at him because he looks <laughs> so horrifying. But there's an example of old age makeup in this scene that i love which is uh just for a moment tiberius throws to his old friend thrasillus ah the cameo from from the greatest (laughs) sitcom that never was tiberius and thrasillus thrasillus of course being his comic relief astrologer who is strangely right a lot of the time but right now is kind of sleeping off in the corner of the garden of capri oh thrasillus was i wise to deny marriage with livilla thrasillus (laughs) I was excited to see him. What did you think, Elliot? Oh, it was just great. It was like like uh, an old friend showing up. It felt a little bit like uh, the season finale of a of a TV show where all the old characters are just stopping by, you know. But right. I was I was disappointed that he didn't really do too much. I think that like Thrasillus yeah. by this point is, if anything, is seems older and more senile than Tiberius. Right. And it's no. like and I but I did wonder about like Tiberius was always hating him, but maybe because Thrasillus is often right. But at, right at the last minute, he keeps him around as a good luck charm. I don't know. He, but it was, it's, I just imagine they sit around and Tiberius is like, remember that time I was going to have you thrown off a cliff? And Thrasillus is like, yep, good times, good times. I mean, once again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The actor George Baker does an incredible job inhabiting this, uh, this character who is a total monster and yet will sometimes flash moments of sincere appreciation and sometimes will flash moments of real personal self-reflection and regret and sometimes will flash moments of principle where you don't expect it and then just perv it back up into the being the worst possible person in the world and of course you know that big open wound on his head <laughs> is a is a literal you know is embodying the fact that tiberius is just a great big open wound yeah he is he is walking hurt and injury and yeah. he is just like uh, and you can understand why because his mother was also a monster, but yeah. there's a there's something. I think what separates this show from just being a really like uh, sleazy soap opera about ancient Rome is that each of the characters feels like a person, and right. even the ones that are. I've read some things that make the case that the story is somewhat misogynist because the women tend to be evil or insane or just victims. But the uh, but even but every character gets their moment at some point to be a human being, whether it's in the first episode, the guy who announces things, getting to complain about how there's no good acting jobs anymore, to the moments with Tiberius, who it would be very easy, like you're saying, just to just to have him be a monster, because he is, but that even him, ha- he has a psychology, you know, and it's right. something that, like, Pullman just does such an amazing job with uh, 
with the scripting on this, and the actors do such a good job of bringing it out. Uh, th- that being said, in I, Claudius the Novel, Tiberius engages in some much grosser decadent sexual things that are not mentioned in the show, and I'm like, hmm, that makes it a little easier to sympathize with him that he's not doing these other things, too. Because what, what he does is still horrible, but there's a there's some things that he that they talk about in the novel where it's like, oh, okay, well, this is now now we've reached a, a kind of like superhuman level of horrible decadence. Right. You never you never as uh, I remember at one point when I was writing about Battlestar Galactica before I uh, before I be, uh, actually accidentally became an on camera performer and then got to ruin an episode of Battlestar Galactica by being on <laughs> camera, as as the internet constantly reminds me. <laughs> Whenever someone every now every now and then someone reaches that fourth season episode, when I show up as the <laughs> space brain doctor in Battlestar Galactica, and I'm like, what is Hodgman doing here? Well, as Get you know, in, ba- in Battlestar Galactica, in the future there are no people who look or sound like you. It just doesn't happen anymore. That's right. Well, you're talking about the ancient past. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Galactica. I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He, yeah, Doctor Gerard was one of my great 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 ancestors. I forgot about that, that there was this ancient past world that also uh, had right. a secretary of education. But I had visited the set years before uh, when the show was beginning its second season and all of the actors were very, still excited to be there uh, and hadn't gotten <laughs> bored of the job. But, you know, I was sitting in on a story conversation with uh, uh, David Icke and Ron Moore, the co-creators of the show, with the director for this particular episode that I was shadowing. And I regret that I don't remember the director's name, but they were talking about the character of Colonel Ty, uh, who in in the reimagined Battlestar Galactica show was an alcoholic and fairly abusive and and obvi- a really, really problematic character. And at one point, he's like, he throws down a glass at someone. And Ron Moore leaned in. He goes, you know, we have to be careful about how we film this and how and how the actor performs it because we can't lose him as a character, which is mm. to say... Not, not that we can't get rid of the character, but we can't lose our sympathy for him completely. We have to, he needs to be able to turn around and bring us back in from time to time and make us see things from his point of view. And I think, you know, you know what? The actor's name is Michael Hogan. And he, he also, like George Baker, did this incredible job of taking a very hard to like character, but making him understandable and human and real. And uh, I remember when I worked with him on the, on the, uh, show later on when I ruined that episode in the fourth season. He was just a very quiet guy who was just off to his own. He's been this constantly working Canadian actor. And you can look for him, it turns out, in 2020's Sonic the Hedgehog. So well (laughs) done, Michael Hogan. I'm not in that. They they bring him in to play Sonic after the original design was was so met with such Yes, he's the new Sonic. That's right. He's the new (laughs) Sonic the Hedgehog. That's right. TV shows often make hateful characters... uh, characters that you can spend a lot of time with is they just make them into kind of mean good guys. And that's kind of what happens with like Jamie Lannister or with uh Swearingen and Deadwood. They just become like mean good guys as opposed to bad guys. Whereas Tiberius is just a bad guy all the way through. So Elliot, you, you made the point that all, every character gets to be human. And I, I kind of almost feel like with the exception, no disrespect to Fiona Walker does a great job as Agrippina, but Agrippina as she is brought back into this episode, is now beginning to feel a little one note to me. She's Tiberius's old, you know, rival. He accused her of wanting to be queen. He, she accused him of destroying her family. She was right. She got very angry at him. They had this, they had this great yelling session the last episode where they really confronted each other. And now he drags her out to Capri for another yelling sesh that feels 
kind of unnecessary to me. But I only bring it up because he says to her, guess what? I'm going to do the worst possible thing I can to you. And that is sentence you to go live on a Mediterranean island. Pandateria, which I took the liberty of looking up, is now known as Ventotene. It's just off the coast between Rome and Naples. It's small, right? Population of 708. But it looks great. <laughs> <laughs> like, they got this great beach. It's so beautiful. And then he goes, guess what I'm going to do to your son Nero? I'm going to banish him to an even smaller island, Ponza. <laughs> and then I looked up Ponza, even better, even more beautiful. <laughs> I think life is, uh, at the things that we, uh, that we really treasure now, I think maybe were a little easier to come by yeah. back in the days of ancient Rome, such as, yeah. like, I don't think they were dealing with the hustle and bustle of modern life. So you were, you, your life was already kind of boring. And so to go to a place that where there nothing was happening, but no, you're right. It is as far as punishments well, go. These, dr- these dramatic cliffs of Ponza <laughs> going down, going down to the beach Chiaia de Luna, this beautiful crescent-shaped beach with perfectly blue waters, and then there's like these other lagoons and these beautiful ancient buildings. I mean, it's like it's like being sentenced to like a Yes album cover or the game Mist. Like I want to live there. <laughs> I mean, great. I don't know if I want to live in the game Mist. So many switches and buttons. <laughs> Sorry, I, you're not as switch crazy as I am, but yeah. <laughs> no, that's That was the game where uh, there was no logic to anything you were doing, I think, or it was all like base 13. So it was like, oh, I guess I got to figure out some weird math that explains which of these switches will take me to the wood age. Still sounds pretty good. It's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful place. So why stop complaining, everybody, in ancient Rome? So cut back to Sejanus's house, where we see the softer side of Patrick Stewart with hair. He comes home. The children that he's been hoarding away from their mother beg to have dinner with them, and he sort of touches them fondly. Gross. And he says, You can have dinner with me this afternoon. And now, go to your rooms. I have some work to do. Father, why can't we see Mother again? I told you I didn't wish to discuss that again. I'm very displeased that you disobey me. Oh, by the way, we'd like to see our mother maybe once. And he says, You have made me very angry. No dinner forever. And sends them away. <laughs> and then in I, think, comes, I think he says, I'll see you at dinner. I don't, I don't think he says Oh, I no thought he said, forever. go to your rooms. Dinner is canceled. Oh, I don't remember the dinner is canceled part. Maybe, maybe. I thought he canceled their dinner date with his I own remember, children. <laughs> I remember him saying, go to your rooms, make it so. Well, but, right, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and then in comes the evil soon-to-be stepmom, Lavilla. Tossing dagger eyes at, at the Patrick Stewart's sons and son and daughter. And she says, you look very pretty. And they leave the room. And then Patrick Stewart drops the H-bomb, the Helen bomb. Guess mm-hmm. what? Uh, the Tiberius says, I cannot marry you, but I can marry your daughter. And it's going to be awesome. He's and like, it'll says, be great. We'll, you and I, we'll just, we'll just spend some time apart. Then I'll marry your daughter. And then we'll all live together. And it'll be just like as if we were married. Only your daughter will be involved somehow. <laughs> <laughs> the point he's making is pragmatically this helps us because it will draw me closer to the imperial family and because uh, uh, uh drusus is being starved to death in the prison by sala from raiders of the lost ark we'll talk about that later skip that part but it was worth skipping <laughs> and because nero is is uh, now sent off to beautiful ponza just off the coast of uh, of uh, italy uh, that only leaves silly old Caligula. No one will make him emperor. So if I marry Helen, surely I will become emperor next. And that's where we leave that scene. Here is when we realize they have two different goals in mind. Sejanus wants to be emperor. Lavilla 
just wants to marry Sejanus. She has this, right. you know, it's this uh, amour foo, this burning, uh, like, desire for him and she just wants to be married and she becomes she wants to rub her fingers through patrick stewart's back hair for the rest of her life yes and (laughs) and she is like clawing at him i'll kill you i'll kill you stop it you swine stop it if that is the only way we can be together why not are you like that wouldn't you to be in bed with mother and daughter you bastard you filthy bastard all she can see is that this is another person getting in the way between her and the man that she is at this point obsessed with uh, in a very intense way because everything's intense when uh, Patricia Quinn's involved. And so he pleads with her, hey, hey, just go along so that so that I can be the heir to Tiberius. Come on, please. And that's <laughs> and that's basically where it ends. That's a good place for a break. Let's take one and we'll talk more later. iPodius is brought to you by you, our Maximum Fun members, of course, and we love you. But we also love Acorn TV. I fell off my chair when I learned that Acorn TV was interested in sponsoring this podcast because I am have been a Acorn TV subscriber for a long time. I use it to watch Foils War. I use it to watch uh, Detectorists, two of my favorite TV shows of all time. I've talked about them time and time again. And of course... It's your one-stop shop for every episode of iClaudius, the TV show this podcast is about. And I and Acorn TV has a special offer for iPodius listeners, which you're going to hear about in a second. But first, Elliot, aside from Foil's Word Detectorists and iClaudius, is that it for Acorn TV? I mean, that's enough for me, no. but is there more? That is a lot, but this streaming service has far more than just three shows on it. From mysteries to thrillers to comedy to drama, they've got even more than three genres on here. They've got a ton of documentary and nonfiction stuff. They've got pretty much everything you'd be looking for. It's your streaming destination, Acorn TV is, for critically acclaimed series from Britain, Australia, Ireland, and beyond. If there's a show from another country and your friends have been telling you you have to see it, it's probably on Acorn. And the reason these shows are so good is because all the people who live in these countries are good actors. That's why they all get into Marvels and Star Warses and Games of Thrones Mm -hmm. and everything that you love and enjoy. So you're going to see your favorite faces like Sandra Oh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Olivia Coleman. Hey, Elliot, have you ever heard of Games of Thrones? Uh, I've heard of the singular. Well, all those actors are good. And guess what? You're going to see them all over Acorn TV. Uh, One of my favorite actors in the world, Aidan Gillen. Littlefinger. He's got a crime drama on Acorn TV called Mayday. I want to watch that. Guess what? Uh, Alfie Allen, Theon Greyjoy. He's in an Acorn TV original called Close to the Enemy. Wartime bombed out London drama. Can't wait to see that. You want to know something else is exciting? Who else? I found one more Toby Jones on here. That's right. (laughs) Toby Jones. Your favorite and mine from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Dr. Arnim Zola himself. Not just the brilliant co-star of Detectorist, not just in Marvelous, not just in The Secret Agent, but also part of an all-star cast in Agatha Christie's The Witness for the Prosecution on Acorn TV. And in this one, Toby Jones has a mustache. It's incredible. How do I get this, Elliot? 
you got I mean, there's so much, uh, there's so much to have, and there, it's really easy to get it. I just want to mention in case all that stuff sounds too intense for you, they do have the show Walks with My Dog, where different British celebrities take walks with their dogs in different places. So if you want to see original Whose Line Is It Anyway host Clive Anderson and his dog walking around, yes, this is the one for you. So how do you get it? You go to www.acorn.tv or download the Acorn TV app, so it's just a click away, on your favorite device, and use the code PODIUS. For an extended 30-day free trial. Extended free trial for 30 days. That's acorn.tv. Code Podius. Acorn TV. World-class TV from Britain and beyond. Hi, I'm Dave Hill from before. And I'm very excited to bring Dave Hill's podcasting incident back to Maximum Fun, where it belongs. You can get brand new episodes every Friday on MaximumFun.org or you know, wherever. And while my partner Chris Gersbeck and I might lack in specific subject matter on our podcast, we make up for in special effects. Chris, add something cool right here. Also, we have explosions, animal noises, and sometimes even this. Dave Hill's podcasting incident every Friday on Maximum Fun. Chris, do another explosion right here. Hey everybody, this is just a reminder that all these episodes of iPodius have been pre-recorded, including all the letters. So when you send me letters at Hodgman at MaximumFun.org, I enjoy them. The world cannot, unless you want to post or repost them at the Maximum Fun subreddit on the Reddit website. The Maximum Fun subreddit is a subreddit on Reddit where people talk about Maximum Fun shows, including iPodius. And I've been using it a lot, getting in there and answering people's questions and saying thank you for their comments. Uh, it's a really fun community, and we're doing a lot of iPodius talk over there. So if you have memories of watching iClaudius in Latin class or in a weird moment with your mom or dad when you were a kid, uh, just think to maybe go over there if you want. Reddit.com slash r slash maximum fun. That's reddit.com slash r slash maximum fun. Look for the Judge John Hodgman discussions. Look for the Flophouse discussions. Look for the iPodius discussions. And discuss! Thanks. All right, we're back with iPodius episode VII covering iClaudius episode VII according to the Wikipedia numbering system. Reign of Terror. When we last left Sejanus, he was saying, "I will marry your daughter, and then I will become emperor." And Lavilla was like, "That's effed up," and everyone agreed. <laughs> you know, Elliot, it takes a lot of people to run an empire like the iPodius podcast. Obviously, me and you as co-emperors, and also the power behind the dual throne, Jordan Cowling, and her mom, Avis, and all of the listeners who send in dispatches from the Empire, and also Leanne, who we've heard a letter from already. We're going to hear more from her later on. She happens to be a volunteer driver at San Francisco Sketchfest, and Leanne contacted us saying, I've got Patricia Quinn in the car right now, and I'm telling her about the iPodius podcast, and she wants to talk to you. And I was like, well, too bad, because I already talked to Sir Patrick Stewart. I'm tired of talking to people. I don't need to talk to anybody else in my life. But maybe Elliot will 
interview Patricia Quinn. And guess what, Elliot? You did it. I did? That sounds amazing. I mean, that sounds like a great experience and something I would really love to do uh, and someone I would be honored to talk to. So you did it. I'm I'm as excited as anybody to find out that I interviewed her while she was at San Francisco Sketchfest and talked to her about the series. Let's go to that interview now through the magic of audio editing. I want to say right off the bat, uh, this is my pre-apology in case I ask anything that is boring or irritating. I'm so, after watching you in iClaudius, I'm so nervous that if I say the wrong thing, you will poison me. That Oh, I want... yeah. Well, you'd better be nervous. <laughs> yes. I'm going to be on my best behavior, I promise. And yeah. I'll, I'll do no, my don't, best. Don't, don't. That could be boring. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to be on my semi-best behavior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the... Uh, <laughs> The word we used a lot when we were when uh, John, the other host of the show, and I were were talking about your performance so often was like intense, and it felt like you brought such intensity to the character that I was alternately very frightened of her and also very moved by her because she was feeling her feelings so passionately. And I was wondering if when you were playing uh, Lavilla, if you sympathized with her. No, not at all. I, first of all, um, Herbie Wise, the director of I, Claudis, is, is a wonderful director, mm-hmm. one of the top in the BBC. And then the BBC was a wonderful in, I did many series, different ones, and uh, they were wonderful in script writing and things. I mean, people watch them today and think they're watching a Chekhovian play because mm-hmm. they're not used to all that dialogue, you know. Uh, as a part of what's your question about La Villa... I didn't think anything about. I just played what I thought was the truth, you know. She feels like this woman who starts as, you know, kind of this decadent royal that we've seen, you know, so many times and is put through a process of being corrupted and then becoming a corrupter and meets this horrible end and whether she was there's whether she was a uh, more of a villain or a victim or whether she just was if any of that was going through your mind. Right, no, she just was. She just was. But the point was that, you know, come on, she found out about my affair and um, threatened me, didn't she? Mm-hmm. She, and she decides to use yes. you as a, as a way to get rid of uh, Posthumus, if I'm getting the Correct. names right. And poor John Castle, the actor, we were all such great friends. He's a marvelous actor, actually. And he got done in so early on. So that was the end of him. <laughs> was, was it strange to be working on a show where actors were coming and going so frequently? Characters were being killed off or new characters being brought on. Was that disorienting no. at all or, or just... No, it's, no, it's normal, isn't it? I guess that's the way life works, is people come mm. and go. Yeah. How did you get involved with I, Claudius uh, to start with? By this point, you had already been in, in the Rocky Horror Show and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, I'd worked with Herbie Wise before. I did the White Cigar for Sea with him. I had a small part in that. Mm-hmm. And then I clawed it. So he'd worked with me before. I, I don't know if I auditioned or not. But it was extraordinary because Sean Phillips, um, my grandmother in it, mm-hmm. um, she, I had did a massive series with Sean where I played Christabel Pankhurst and she played Emmeline, my mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got the end of that, the vote for women, uh, the Pankhurst story. The, the Pankhurst were the, were the suffragettes, right? From yes. The... It's called, the series was called Shoulder to Shoulder. It was a massive success. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. No, I say it, but it is. And so she, so then um, suddenly I've got I, Claudius, and I said to Sean, how is it that you see, you're now my grandmother and you were my mother, 
you seem to be getting older and I'm getting younger. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't too pleased. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I wouldn't think so. I was wondering how she'd respond to that. I was just slightly, sort of a bit arch, I think. But I did think it was funny, don't you? Oh, yeah, very much but so. But the point is, they had such makeup to do. They aged in that. And um, Sean used to leave her face on the windowsill at night. Do you know what I mean? I mean, they were in makeup so long. It was horrific for them. What was working for BBC shows like back then? It sounds like you had a number of the same performers doing many shows together or working with, like you mentioned, well, the same director. Well, that's the same all the time, isn't it? I mean, those, there's like, you know, a percentage of actors' work and they're on the list and the others don't. And that's always been the case. I think it's in America, It's we, we kind of don't have the same uh, tradition of miniseries the same way. Or at least it's you'd have these long running series, and in England it sounds like there were many more of these shorter series that were uh, really bringing in you know the amazing people to to work together. And mm. it's it just seems well if you consider that Sean was in I in the suffragettes with me, then both of us are in I Claudius. That's not talking about the list. If you're in, you're in. If you're out, you're out. Mm-hmm. Or else you haven't got in yet. You know that, and I that is the rule of the theatre, film, or anything. You know those who are in fashion and those who haven't yet made it into fashion or are out of fashion. I don't think that's ever changed, never will. And the other thing was uh, they were amazing, wonderful script writers. Like today, people don't want scripts like that. You know, you have a Clint Eastwood with, you know, two lines in the whole movie, you know. There was a massive dialogue. People couldn't believe that we, well, accomplished that, but we were good. You know, I think that's, that's the what... that's the the most amazing or an Im- impressive thing watching it now is just that there feels like there's a certain uh, like effortless um, superior right. quality. Well, to that, it. That, the reason no, that comes from good scripts. That's number one, the script. And Jack Pullman was astonishing with what he did. He made a soap opera in Rome. He made a soap, and um, it was extraordinary because. Men on building sites, the builders were whistling at me and shouting, we know who you are, you know, as I'm walking in the street and giving me wolf whistles. So we had the builder watching I, Claudius. The streets were empty on I, Claudius night in London. Everyone was home watching it. It was extraordinary. And um, I was in New York and... um, this uh, street vendor, he was selling newspapers. And I was there, I think, concerned with a Rocky Horror thing or something And um, at the time of Claudius. And uh, the street vendor shouted at me, says, yo, yo. I said, sorry? He said, yeah, you. And I, I said, yes. He said, you're a terrible woman. I said, what, I beg your pardon? Terrible woman. You murdered your husband. You murdered your daughter. You deserved everything you got. I was in shock. I thought, how amazing. That's the best compliment to an actress I've ever had. <laughs> he believed it was me. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking in the street, you know, dressed as me. And he's screaming at me for being so horrific. Isn't it wonderful? That's amazing. That there's... I didn't think I did anything wrong. Sorry. You know, I'm sorry that Sir Janus wanted to marry my daughter instead of me. Yeah, it it feels... It was him. He did it. <laughs> it was also Janus's fault, you're saying? Absolutely.
absolutely, and, and it was Grandma's fault. So it's all her fault. Lavilla's just doing what she can. She's in this. She's in this world where everyone is is plotting or taking advantage of, and she's uh, trying to get by as best as she can. Is that how it? Yes, how but it I, 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 I always was. I always thought that us in Rome, we were uh, Claudians. We were like gods. We were above uh, guilt. We have no guilt. Mm-hmm. I'm quite good at that. <laughs> I can still do that. (laughs) I think that suits me very well. You know, because we were gods. Come on. Mm -hmm. We were, in particular, we were the chosen people. So the normal rules don't apply. The the rules that the the plebeians, they don't apply to you. No. I mean, there's something about Grandmama and, and her death and things. Well, she said she was a goddess, didn't she? She she wants to become a goddess. She uh, she makes she wanted that. Yeah. She, she makes Caligula and Claudius promise to her that they'll make her a goddess That's when she it. dies. You see, so we obviously were made goddesses. Mm-hmm. That's what she was after. The thing is, here's another thing that happens mm-hmm. about people believing. You know, so there's the, the man selling the newspaper screaming at me in the street, New York, and New York was um, uh, really watched that. I mean, I, I was aware of it. Everyone in uh, the New York was watching I, Claudius, at the time. My son was getting married, my son, Quinn Hawkins, and he was marrying um, his wife, Indra, and we all went to Cape Town for the wedding. So her grandmama, Pauline Podre, um, she was, um, I was staying in her house. And I was there one night, and the next morning we were up for breakfast, and I was just about to put the marmalade on my toast. And Pauline said, um, were you in I, Claudius? And I said, yes. And she said, oh, not you. And I said, what? And she said, yes, you. You murdered your husband, and you murdered your daughter, and you ate your children. And I said, uh, no, I did murder my husband, and I did murder my daughter, but I didn't eat any children. (laughs) And she said, you did? I said, no, I think maybe you're getting me mixed up with a Greek tragedy, like maybe Medea, she killed her children. She said, but you... I said, no. I said, my mother, played by Margaret Tyzak brilliantly, locked me in a room till I died. And obviously, whatever would happen in that situation, I starved to death, apart from anything else. There's a marvelous thing, a scene where she sits outside the door while that's going on. And Claudius comes to her and says, uh, m- m- Mother, how, how could you do, do this? And she says, Wonderful. She said, "This is her. That's her punishment, and this is mine. So she sat and listened to her screams till she died. She was being fed, though, I think, while she sat out there. Anyway, <laughs> I was... I was banging on the door in rehearsals, a pretend door, saying, Mother, Mother, let me out, with my fists, you know, Mother, let me out, please. <laughs> and John Hurt's watching, Mr. Caligula's sitting there, and he says, uh, oh, Pat, I think you're going to have to do something more than that. I said, what? He said, yeah, you know, you're going to die. 
I said, oh, oh, okay. So I lay on my back and brought up my feet on the door and, you know, got busy. Because mm-hmm. I thought, he's right. It's not enough just banging with your fists. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Good old John Hurt. <laughs> Bloody great actor. He's marvellous. His Caligula was fantastic. Oh, he's, he's, he's like a being from another world in the show as Caligula. It's, it's uh, beyond wonderful, I know. Yeah. This was wonderful, actually. My son had never seen I, Claudius, and he had the box set, and somebody lent it to him or something. And he began watching it, and he told me he sat up all night to finish it. He couldn't not. Isn't that wonderful? It is. It's, a, that's, it's such a... That it's still so vivid in people's minds and that you couldn't go anywhere in the English-speaking world without them accusing you of murdering your family. Mm. I wanted to ask you about your scenes with uh, with Sejanus, with Patrick Stewart as Sejanus. They're, they're so, like, there's such a, an intensity and especially there's this, the, a love scene you have with him that is, like, ridiculously steamy. Now, that's extraordinary. I'll tell you why it's extraordinary, because of the way it's shot and mm-hmm. Herbie Wise's direction. That's why. Because the thing was with um, Patrick Stewart, um, Patrick Stewart was an, like an RSC actor. I don't think he'd done much television. You know, Royal Shakespeare actor. Mm-hmm. Very good Northern actor. And uh, he's my fellow. And um, so... I went home that night because it's the seduction scene, or it's that scene where my maid shines the light in the window and he knows to come in. And I thought, how will we do this? Because it's quite hard to do those scenes with maybe kissing and things. You know, it needs, it needs like, it's like a ballet. That's the way I thought of it. And so I went home and I worked it out myself, all the movements of it. Um, you know, when I, on the line that I would go to him and do this and the, physically. And I even said to Patrick Stewart, uh, I said, will you come into the green room with me so we can practice this? And he came, and I said, so if you hold me now and then expect telling him how to seduce me. <laughs> <laughs> and then he did that. And I said, no, Patrick, not that way, this way. Because I'd worked it out like a ballet. I was I was a busy girl then. I was uh, dedicated. Anyway, and then there was one why it works. It's the most. It's, I think it's the sexiest scene ever, and because it's verbal. Oh yes, the things. It's completely verbal. So again, Jack Pullman, the writer, and Herbie Wise, amazing. No bodies on top of one another, and that boring stuff. It was um, a headshot from the top of our heads. Right, mm-hmm. like from the so, where would you have that in the bed when you're lying in the bed? He was at the back of our head, at the top of our heads with the camera, and the camera isn't on people gyrating; it's on two people talking. It it really shows that there's such a there's so much more intimacy in the scene than I would than I expected, and I think it's because you had worked it out that way and you had practiced it that no, way. Not that no, no. Mainly, it's because it was there's nothing more sexual than talk, in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, ideas being banded around and him, what he would do with me if I was, uh, you know, disloyal in any way. He was going to lock me up with a lot of his guards. Mm-hmm. That was awfully exciting. <laughs> Sorry, I might get arrested for this. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, and this is America. I didn't know what I mean by that. No, it's all right. It's it's podcast. <laughs> it's podcasting. Everything's allowed. It's okay. Oh, great! Thank God for that. Okay. The um, no, I I mean I just thought this is hot. <laughs> and did Patrick Stewart seem nervous at all with it? My my uh, my producer Not Jordan. At all. Okay, she my producer was telling me that that was his first on screen kiss, and I wondered if he was he was anxious. Oh, but he was with me. Oh yes, true. <laughs> <laughs> Claudius is meant to be, uh, you know, doomed if you have anything to do with it. It's meant to be very unlucky. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from, hmm. but we had a, a night Claudius party and all of the props men, the whole of the BBC, everyone had worked on it. It was massive. The BBC gave it. And um, one of the props men had a heart attack and died that night. Really? At the party. Yeah. And then... The next one, we went to Jack Pullman's party. This is astonishing. I forgot this. We went to Jack Pullman's party and his wife and two lovely daughters. One played the violin for us, and it was wonderful. The next thing, Jack Pullman was dead, and they could no longer afford to live in that house, so they sold it. They sold it. I always think this is spooky. To Derek Jacobi. But I, Claudius, is kind of, it's another one, you know, it's another one. And I've been so lucky to be involved in all of them. It's lovely. It's, well, there's a reason that you were involved, because you're wonderful and you're, and you're Oh, my goodness, thank fantastic you. I got them. a bit of, I got shiver there. Thanks. <laughs> thank you so much for, for giving us so much of your time. Thank you. It's been I'm really so wonderful. I'm so glad this has worked out at last. Oh, me too. Elliot, that was an amazing interview. Thank you so much for talking to Patricia Quinn. She's so cool. Yeah, she. W- I could have talked to her for probably seventy three straight hours. It was amazing, and I could. S- it was. It was. Uh, it was very hard for me to not just a very, keep very bother- specific number. <laughs> no more than seventy three. And uh, but if she if she hadn't had to catch a plane, I think I might still be talking to her. She was great. So thank you very much to her for talking to us, and uh, thanks to Leanne for for making it possible. Yeah, and also stay tuned in twenty twenty one for our new podcast, the seventy three hour Patricia Quinn Challenge. <laughs> Where Elliot speaks to Patricia Quinn for 73 hours straight. Straight hours. No breaks. Straight up hours. Now we cut to an exciting <laughs> a, an exciting scene in the Senate. Once again, the emperor writes from Capri, demanding yet another arrest. First it was the lady Agrippina and her eldest son, Nero Caesar, and now it is her second son, Drusus Caesar. Nothing more exciting than uh, an argument about process in, uh, in a judicial body. <laughs> Legislative, legislative. Well, it is judicial, also, I guess. Yeah, they I guess you're right. It, they do it all. It's a one branch government. Oh, yeah, there's two branches: the emperor and the senate. The emperor the senate, and the senate. The senate, and they both kind of share judicial duty. Anyway, that's none of that's important. The, the well, point is, basic. <laughs> yeah, the senate. The senate. The senate is no longer a, a branch of the government because Tiberius is ruling with an iron hand via Sejanus. Sejanus is asking the senate to condemn Drusus, the other heir to the throne, to death. And this, and one senator goes, this feels weird. We haven't seen any evidence of his supposed treason. We have nothing to investigate. No, no one from the executive branch is coming to testify. How are we supposed to decide? And he goes, just do it. And they go, okay. And Drusus gets thrown in, into the dungeon by John Reese davies the actor mm-hmm. who played Sala most famously in Raiders of the Lost Ark as well. And Gimli and tre- the... Yeah. Well, not just... 
Oh yeah, entry. Oh yeah, I, that's, uh, wait. Were you gonna lead with Treebeard from Lord of the Rings? Gonna, I was gonna lead with Treebeard <laughs> instead. Of, so okay, I mean, I forgot. <laughs> honestly, I forgot about Gimli. <laughs> he's in Gimli in like every. I mean, uh, most famously, he's Professor Arturo from Sliders. Of course, but <laughs> we can mention the movies. I guess <laughs> he was Gimli in Lord of the Rings. I'd completely forgotten. <laughs> Those movies were so important to me at one point, oh, and I, I knew everything about them. Never even. Really? I kind of didn't get around to it, and I'll see him with my son someday if he expresses any interest. That's interesting. Well, then, so you didn't get to Treebeard at all. No, I, the one thing I've seen from episode two is the scene where there's a tree person who's on fire, who's running around. It's, they're called ants. Show some respect. <laughs> I, and I, I didn't like Treebeard, because it's like if a person with a beard was named Ma- Manbeard or Personbeard. It's like, uh-huh. yeah, he's a tree. He's got to have a tree in his name. Come on. <laughs> it, was a, it was a little on the tree nose for you? <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, tree nose would be well it'd be like pinocchio i guess that's true anyway here comes so uh john oh, so reese davies they, they throw drusus in jail and they're like when do we let him out he goes don't just leave him in there that's right they starve him to death down in the yeah. cells and this is and and john reese davis's character is macro <laughs> which sounds <laughs> sounds like a mid 90s window 97 <laughs> word perfect assistant or something mm-hmm. hi i'm macro how can i help you do things faster with diff- with multiple keystrokes, <laughs> and he that is ju- he is of course a real person. Uh, he was a uh, the prefect of the Praetorian Guard for a number of years uh, in ancient Rome, and uh, he was also the inventor of macro machines, which are larger than real cars. <laughs> well, we'll hear more from him later. But meanwhile, <laughs> we cut we cut to the marketplace. Uh, Claudius is walking through the uh, life. Stanislaus. <laughs> Kind of stumbling through life as always, comes across Caligula, pokes his head out from his from his uh, his his sedan. Have you heard? Usus has been arrested. Yes, it's a great shame, isn't it? Do you think they'll kill him? Did worry you? After all, he's your brother. I said it was a shame, didn't I? To say, Uncle Claudius, what's going on? And Claudius warns Caligula. That uh, that his brothers have been uh, uh, put to death and or banished to beautiful Ponza. And Caligula's like, hmm, what a shame. And then he eats some fruits. <laughs> yes, this, this sequence for Caligula is such a, it's an almost sketch comedy level sequence of a rich, uncaring guy. He just keeps snapping in fingers, his fingers and off camera slaves are handing him things. And he takes a yeah. bite out of an apple, throws it over his shoulder, then snaps his finger and gets another apple. And then <laughs> by the end, he snaps his finger and gets a goblet of wine and takes a sip and then throws the whole thing away. <laughs> it's like... Cut to Claudius's home. There's a visit from Elia, Claudius's wife and name only. Elia is also Sejanus's sister. She's there to see Lavilla. Lavilla... We can skip over that. That's just a lot of conversation and background. The important thing the one, is... The one the, the oh. one moment is... Well, are you going to say... Well, oh no, what are we going to say? What's the important thing? Well, I'll save the important thing because the, the important thing is not as interesting as I think the one moment you're going to highlight. <laughs> okay. Talking about hand-holding? Oh no, I was, I, that is something I want to talk about, but I was going to talk about just uh, how Claudius walks into his house and the servant at his house is instantly rude to him. <laughs> Your wife, the Lady Elia, is here. My wife? Um, what did she... What... Well, how should I know? She's not my wife. Well, I don't be so damn rude. <laughs> it really, it really is a comedy against Claudius in this case. He really, he really yeah. has become like well, instead of I Claudius, it should be like oh Claudius. 
But uh, also Antonia shows up and she and Claudius's wife have kind of a hand-holding battle with Claudius. <laughs> they both grab each of his hands and, and play some passive-aggressive games while he sits there sort of twitching between them. <laughs> but the important thing is that Elia isn't there to see Claudius, her own husband. She isn't there to see Antonia, her own mother-in-law. She's there to see Lavilla, her sister-in-law, to, to say... Men are different. driving me to despair. I can't bear this separation. But it's only for a little while. And for appearance sake. And she's there to counsel patience. Lavilla should be patient because, and let Patrick marry her daughter, Ellen, so they can cement this relationship and move on. But Lavilla's like, no. Two things you need to know right now. Single sis-in-law, Elia. One, eh, my daughter Helen is um, mysteriously ill. (laughs) And we've seen that in this show before. This is not at all a motif in this program. It could mean anything. Second, I have a secret scroll for you to give to Sejanus. Give him this secret scroll. And so Elia leaves with the secret scroll. And then we get to the next comedy sketch (laughs) at the publishing house. But to- it's maybe my favorite scene in the whole show, yeah, in the whole episode. Right. Why don't you describe it? <laughs> so Claudius is at uh, Atticus the Scribe's workshop. A.K.A. AKA they- fake Michael Palin. <laughs> well, that's the other thing I love. This episode and then, spoiler, in the next episode, there are scenes where Claudius is dealing with local craftsmen or the owners of, of workshops. And they are such like, especially in the next one, it's a it's a sculpting workshop. And he's like, uh, you know, Gov, oh, we've got these sculptures in. <laughs> like, it's such a... <laughs> It's such, it's such, uh, they just went overboard British with it. Yeah. But, uh, so, so he's at the local scribe shop there copying out Claudius's history of Carthage. And Claudius is not happy with the fact that they have chosen without his say so. Uh, the art director at the scribe shop has decided to illustrate it with pictures of elephants, and he is not happy with them. Yeah. <laughs> they argue about this for a while. If I may say so, for a history of Carthage, what could be more apt than elephants? Yeah, but I didn't ask for elephants. Yes, I, I know you didn't ask for elephants, but uh, knowing your superb good taste, naturally, I thought you'd agree. Well, I, I don't. This is a serious work. Just because I've mentioned elephants into the text, why do we have to see them? But it's a motif. Well, it's a damn <laughs> motif. I've mentioned Hannibal's mistresses. I suppose you've drawn <laughs> concubines all over the text, too. <laughs> and there, it's, and it, it has the pace and cadence of a Monty Python sketch. Not only does Atticus or whoever that actor is look exactly like Michael Palin, but it's constantly like, understood, sir, absolutely no elephants of any kind. Strike any elephantine aspect from it. Mm, I understand. <laughs> certainly, sir, certainly, sir. No elephants, but of course, th- these elephants. No! <laughs> oh, right, right away, sir. I, I misunderstood. So just 25 elephants then, Yes. I would like zero elephants. Let's compromise ten elephants. What do you say? Listen, you know, for what we're just doing off the fly, it's not a great imitation of a Monty Python sketch. But <laughs> it has the DNA of a Monty Python sketch. It's the 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 Monty Python sketch of the family that it doesn't go out very much. You know, right. they don't brag about it, but it's there. It's in the family photos in the back. So while he's leaving, he runs into uh, another one of these noble characters who is obviously marked for death. Asinius <laughs> Gallus, who I guess is a senator. He's written an essay on Polio. They're talking 
uh, uh, he and Claudius are talking about this essay on Pollio, where Asinius Gallus, the the noble senator who is obviously marked for death, gets picked up by Sejanus or Macro. I can't remember anymore. The Imperial Guard pick him up. According to Wikipedia, if I'm reading this right, uh, Asinius Gallus or Asinius Gallus was married to uh, was the second husband of Tiberius's first wife, which they don't get into, but. You know, they, they they have some blood. They, in real life, they had some bad blood between them, and Gallus was uh, making a joke about Tiberius once, and Tiberius was mad. So anyway, none of that is talked about. Yeah, but, we uh, won't include any of is, that. No. <laughs> but he gets he gets arrested and taken straight to Sejanus. Right, and this, this scene is really interesting to me, because what happens in this scene, essentially, is Sejanus presents Asinius Gallus with a confession to some crime that he is insisting Asinius Gallus sign. Asinius Gallus is too noble to do it. And uh, then Sejanus uh, and his men just beat the beat the heck out of him. And while he's being beaten, he he gives a long monologue. <laughs> he's beaten, broken up occasionally by beatings. And the more they beat him, the more eloquent he gets. Yeah. <laughs> You're a lesson in history to me, Sejanus. Proving... And above all, mankind needs its sense of smell. He starts this long, long monologue that begins with, I've never fully realized before how a small mind, allied with unlimited ambition and without scruple, can destroy a country of clever men. Which, of course, has absolutely no bearing on what's happening in in any nation of the day. I was like... On the nose, I Claudius. Yeah, Come on. Right. <laughs> I love how little Patrick Stewart does. We we learned from our last, we learned from our little interview with him last time that you know he was a, a not a particularly seasoned television actor when he got this job and spoke of feeling very intimidated walking into the table reads. And Patrick Stewart's just restraint throughout all of this makes him all the more terrifying. It's a really, you know, you can learn a lot about acting from watching this show. I think. Mm-hmm. It's been my only, it's actually my only training in acting. <laughs> as you can find out more about if you read Medallion Status. As you, as you can, stores or you can tell from seeing me in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Does not know how to act. Okay, let's take a quick break. Uh, you're listening to iPodius on Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we host Round Springfield. Round Springfield is a new Simpsons podcast that is Simpsons adjacent. Mm -hmm. Um, In its topic, we talk to Simpsons writers, directors, voiceover actors, you name it, about non-Simpsons things that they've done. Because, surprise, they're all extremely talented. Absolutely. For example, David X. Cohen worked on The Simpsons, but then created a little show called Futurama. Mm -hmm. That's our very first episode. So tune in for stuff like that with Yardley Smith, with Tim Long, with different writers and voice actors. It's going to be so much fun. And we are every other week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we're coming in on the end here, uh, Elliot Kalen. What else happens in this episode? Claudius complains to his mom about the elephants, and uh, she shows him that 
when uh, a servant was throwing out some paper right. and uh, from Lavilla's room, yeah. and, Antoni- and uh, Antonia was like, hey, hey, that paper's not finished being used yet. We can reuse that. She found they were actually drafts of a letter from Lavilla to Sejanus that outline a plan to kill Tiberius Shh. and take the throne. She's got the receipts, just like, mm-hmm. just like Rorschach or any vigilante detective would do. She goes through the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> she goes through Lavilla's garbage and finds the drafts of the of the seditious letter encouraging Sejanus to assassinate Tiberius, Lavilla just left those hanging around. Uh, we cut to Tiberius is a Kirpi. He reads the evidence, and Caligula feigns shock and is like, "Oh well, I'll help you." Uh, there's this ambitious guard, and uh, you can have him. We're going too fast here. Claudius finally gets his book launch. He gets to put his his history of Carthage <laughs> into the hands of the emperor. Cut to him waiting around for, on Capri. I forgot, I forgot. Wait, for you, this is an episode entirely about a, a book. Yeah, it's all about... But I love that for Claudius, this is all... Like, he doesn't even know what's happening. He's like, I gotta get I gotta get my book I gotta get my book out. I have a hashtag always be plugging. Bit.ly slash history of Carthage. Check it out. He's got like... He's, you know, he's, he's sending it out. He's sending it out for blurbs and quotes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And now, and now he's he's gotten it into the hands of, of, of the emperor... Because not even Sejanus would interfere with uh, Claudius is such a, an ant and a speck to Sejanus. He wouldn't even begin to imagine that that Claudius might be passing the emperor some important documents. <laughs> to inspect that document would entail having to read even a few sentences of Claudius's history of Carthage, and that is a barrier that Sejanus, that's a Rubicon. Sejanus will not cross. It is, it is established in this world that no one wants to read this dumb book. <laughs> 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 no. Like the best thing about the books. <laughs> The best thing about the book is the elephants, obviously. <laughs> so Tiberius knows that it's time to get rid of Sejanus, and Caligula happens to know a member of the Imperial Guard named Macro. We met him before in the prison, <laughs> yeah. who might be just ruthless enough to get rid of Sejanus for them. And so they do a little classic stairs to the Senate setup. They tell Sejanus to meet. Oh wait! Oh wait! No, there's there's one one more moment before that. Oh. Tiberius goes, Caligula, you're good at this. I'm gonna name you my heir. You're the emperor Rome deserves. And he goes, and Caligula's like, is is that a joke? And Tiberius goes, no, but it will be. <laughs> the city will be purged as surely as if she had gorged herself on figs for a year. I will open Rome's bowels. The streets will run like a Rome will vomit people throughout its bowels. Like he's, and you can tell Tiberius is like, this is the moment where Tiberius is like, fuck this place. Right. I was the emperor for so long and that didn't make me happy. The only thing that'll make me happy is to know that I am leaving the worst person in my place and that Rome will be destroyed. That's my legacy is I want Rome, the enemy that I tried to subdue for so long and it never liked me i'm gonna get back at it by destroying it so he's just like giddy with with how he's gonna kill lots of people and then put caligula in his place someday you know, i hadn't appreciated as as much of a george baker appreciator that i am you're absolutely right i hadn't appreciated the nihilism of this moment that this was his going to be his vengeance not merely upon sejanus and all of his friends and supporters but upon the very concept of Rome itself by both yeah. by both filling its streets with blood in the purge that's about to happen and close this episode, and then in naming Caligula this obvious freak to be its caretaker. <laughs> it's almost like he's he's like he's like, My whole life has been about this stupid place, and my mom made it all about this dumb place, and my whole life and now I get to say like 
you know what, Rome? Uh, you know, I'm quitting you. This is it. You're over. No, you're fired. And, and it's... <laughs> And then and it's just like a beautiful moment from George Baker where it's like, oh, this is the first time I think I've maybe seen him genuinely happy the entire series. The only thing that's missing is a is a smash cut to a Thrasyllus at the gates of Rome with a <laughs> flamethrower just burning it all. <laughs> Meanwhile, Claudius is out in the out in the garden of Capri going, and did you like the book? <laughs> Cut to the Senate steps. Sejanus is waiting for the emperor to arrive, but it's not the emperor. It's Macro. Macro has a secret scroll. Sejanus says, where is the emperor? He's, so many secret scrolls. What are this, The Legend of Zelda? Yeah. Come on. Sejanus is like, what's in that secret scroll? And he's like, well, you know, uh, it's. I think he's naming you protector of the city and therefore his heir. Let's go into the Senate together and find out. <laughs> but guess what? Secret scroll is not good news. It's bad news. To safeguard yourselves and your emperor, to safeguard the Senate and the people of Rome, I demand the arrest of Lucius Elias Sejanus and all those connected with him. There's there's a brief there's a brief little moment where Sejanus's kids are waiting around. And they're like, "Eh, we're bored. We're gonna leave," and they just walk away. That's true. Well, I think they needed that moment to remind you that Sejanus has kids to yeah. set you up for the awfulness that is about to happen. For, because of course, yeah, Sejanus is not being named protector of the city. As the secret scroll is read aloud in the Senate, as Sejanus waits and watches. Uh, it eventually goes from saying, you know, Sejanus has been my right-hand man, yay, and then how bad it is to be betrayed by him. I, the emperor, now sentence him to death. Boo. And Macro, <laughs> the boo, of course, being in Patrick Stewart's eyes as he realizes that he's marked for death. He looks across the Senate to Macro, who does a classic come here f- wingle, finger wiggle. It's such a it's such a great moment because uh, it's like, oh, the, the, one of these moments where... Uh, that where the bad guy has realized that there are worse people out there or that he's not as good as he thought and he's having his comeuppance. Right. And it really makes up for having to see an elaborate, before this uh, scene of guards replacing other guards in formation as Sejanus's loyal guards are replaced at the Senate with uh, Tiberius or macro loyal guards, I guess. Uh, so it like, there's this big, big build up to this moment where it's just like, come here, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> come get your medicine. You remember that time back back a ways when Julia was banished and she was banging on her father's door, begging for mercy, and her father Augustus, a.k.a. Boss Nass, a.k.a. Brian Blessed, was holding a, a cloth napkin over his ears to not hear her? Well, guess what? It's happening again. La Villa is now locked in a closet, banging, begging for mercy from her mother, Antonia, who is also, this time, she does not hold a cloth napkin over her ears. She is standing, she is sitting straight up, and taking all of that pain into her head because, as she says to Claudius, she will stay in there until she dies, and that is her punishment. And Claudius says to Antonia, and you're going to sit here and listen to it? And she says, and that's mine. Rorschach Ugh. does not play. It's Yeah, it's it's terrifying. And, and like we were saying earlier, like to see this character who up till now has been kind of like the prude of the family just fall straight into... Uh, a kind of homicidal vengeance yeah. on her own daughter is, it's like, well, that's what Rome does to you. Rome, ain't it a bitch? You know? <laughs> alternate it's... title for the show. <laughs> when it was hosted by A.J. Benza, yeah. Well, that, sure. is, yeah. That, is not, that is not what Claudius says at the end of this episode. <laughs> he does not say Rome ain't it a bitch. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, he just, he's like, ah, ah, and he just looks at the camera and goes, Rome, ain't it a bitch? And then, of course, I guess the Looney Tunes ending would come up. <laughs> he does say, Rome! <laughs> 
Christ, you are despicable. As he's hearing the purge going on outside, he's disgusted and and terrified, as well he should be, because there there is another another weird experimental shot now using a handheld camera. As as the camera walks up and down the Senate stairs, and there are all sorts of fake dead bodies, but it's very grisly and awful. Rome, you are finished. But of course, Rome isn't finished, nor is I, Claudius. There's more to come. Uh, Elliot, let's have a dispatch from the Empire. I I sent sure. I sent a, a call out this morning. I could. It's been weeks and weeks and weeks since we recorded. I could have easily <laughs> said weeks and weeks ago, "Hey, everybody, why don't you watch a bunch of episodes of I, Claudius, so that when I ask you online." for uh, memories and criticisms and, and questions and concerns and observations about each episode, you will have watched it and you will send them to me. Instead, this morning, I'm like, uh, you, uh, everyone in the sound of my voice has 90 <laughs> minutes to watch this episode. To, and say something. Right. Tell me what you think. And I said, it would even be fine if you had never seen any other episode of the series that might actually be really funny. So someone, someone wrote that, wrote in, Andrew R., said, I read your newsletter. Of course, you can subscribe to my newsletter at bit.ly slash Hodgmail, H-O-D-G-M-A-I-L, uh, lowercase letters. Also, check out my history of Carthage. No elephants, no elephants. <laughs> but I, I got one of those rare early elephant editions oh. from before they scrapped that that run. It's worth a lot of they're money. They're highly collectible, but I hate them, and I'll destroy them <laughs> if I find them. Andrew R. heard the call to action from my newsletter. It said, quoth he, it said Patrick Stewart with hair. So I watched the episode. You gave me Patrick Stewart with shoulder hair. <laughs> wow. And uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven exclamation points of distress. I thought this man was perfect, says Andrew. You have shattered my dreams. For that, I thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Sincerely, Andrew R. And then I, I mean, I just want to speak up for men with shoulder hair, being, being one of them. Look, hair grows. You don't get to choose where it grows. It just got, does what it wants, you know? Uh, that's exactly right. And, you know, I, as we know from Patrick Stewart's interview last time, um, the head hair was all fake. The sh <laughs> that shoulder hair, all real. Okay, that's the only letter we have because I didn't do my job well. Uh, I mean, I, uh, to, be, to be fair to you, I could have helped at any point. That's true. Knowing that, again, you were on tour for Medallion Status in stores. Now. That's true. You could have helped at any point. Actually, and, and but yet I have I have other stuff going on. Uh, I, this is a you know it's been difficult, but uh, my family has been poisoning each other over control of an empire, and it's just been it takes up a lot of time keeping track one of who's poisoning who, and two how we're all related, and three when's that book about Carthage coming out? <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay, I'm working on it. You do have a book out, right? A children's book. I have a children's book. It's called Horse Meets Dog. It is maybe the exact opposite thing from I, Claudius. It is about a horse and a dog who are arguing over whether they are both horses or both dogs. It's in That's in stores now. And uh, next, sometime next year, I'll have another children's book out called Sharko and Hippo, which is about a shark and a hippo who are friends who are going to go fishing. Again, maybe the opposite of I, Claudius. But <laughs> there's no reason not to get them. Look, you're, vers you're versatile, and they're wonderful children's books. Meanwhile... Obviously, check out Medallion Status. Also, check out uh, Season 4 uh, of Battlestar Galactica. For the best <laughs> the best acting you've ever seen. You should also stay tuned to iPodius, because in the next episode, we're going to be talking about the episode Zeus by Jove, where, uh, let's just say, things get a lot more Caligillal. Yeah, there's gonna, we're, we're in a new phase of iClaudius now. There's going to be a lot of big Caligula energy, big Calig, so... Uh, <laughs> Do, do, 
do stay tuned. That one, This is one for the history books. Let's put it into a trunk to be discovered 1900 <laughs> years from now by future historians. As Elliot says, next time we'll be watching I, Claudius, episode V-I-I-I, Zeus by Jove. I, Podius has been a production of Maximus Fun. Our producer is Jordan Cowling. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. And if you're watching I, Claudius, as you listen to this podcast, please tell us about your reaction to the show. He is at Hodgman on Twitter and at John Hodgman on Instagram, and I am at Elliot Kalin on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Our theme song, Theme for My Claudius, was performed by Paul F. Tompkins, and this exists thanks to you, members of Maximum Fun. For now, goodbye from I, John Hodgman. And I, Elliot Kalin. We'll talk more later. MaximusFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. What could be more apt than elephants? Yeah, but I didn't ask for elephants.